This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is 93XRT. I'm Lynn Bramer. One of the glories of starting my radio career in Albany, New York in the mid-70s was it was very close to an arts community called Woodstock, New York, Bearsville, New York. And it meant that if you said Todd, everybody knew what you meant. You didn't have to say Todd Rundgren. And if you said, for example, Todd is playing the Palace Theater in Albany this Saturday, the next phrase you would hear is Todd is God. Now, Todd is not the God, but he is certainly a God, and he joins us now in 93 XRT. Good morning, Todd Rundgren. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, from, from Mount Olympus. <laughs> right. From the Chapel Perilous to the Mount Olympus of Bearsville, New York. Uh, Todd Rundgren yeah. is coming to do uh, a very unusual show. I, I think even for you, even though you've done just about everything, Todd Rundgren and his band are coming to the House of Blues Saturday, September 8th to perform with the Chicago Sinfonietta. It's a benefit concert for music education and what I need to know is, will there be unpredictabilities there? Well, it won't be as unpredictable as our usual show. We can't um, we can't put an orchestra through that kind of torture. The way I can put my band through it, but um, uh, it'll actually there'll be two sets. We'll do an opening set with my band, and maybe a few uh, uh, guests will sit in, and then we do. Uh, another full set with with the orchestra um i've done some of these shows before so we've got uh, a variety of things uh that we can draw from we've got uh some of my more familiar tunes uh, all gussied up in or form some uh more obscure things uh that i might Fans who like to go a little, a little bit more of a deep dive. We've uh, got some things like that, and um, and I don't know how we're going to fit the whole orchestra into the stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, you the know, House you, the House of Blues—that's a decent-sized stage. I've uh, been to many shows there. I, of course, not many with an entire orchestra on stage. And Chicago Sinfonietta is is an amazing group of musicians. Uh, but it's interesting to me to think how some of these songs may take form. Were there were there songs you were picking that saying this is going to be really good with the orchestra? This just is not going to work. Well, we have uh, uh, some experience with this. I've been doing uh, orchestra concerts in uh, Holland for a number of years. I've done at least three there. We've done uh, another. Probably at least another three in the U.S. somewhere, and that's where we get the charts from to uh, to mount something like this. Um, being a benefit, we don't get a whole lot of time to rehearse. We'll rehearse in the afternoon before the show, and that will be uh, uh, all of the uh, all of the preparation that we get. And 
that's the advantage of working with um, musicians who can read. Right. Uh, I can't. I can't personally, but fortunately, you know, uh, everyone will have a chance. They'll have a chance to see the charts, but we only get maybe, you know, a couple hours to play through everything, and then we premiere the whole deal. So that's kind of the, uh, when you talk about unpredictability, that's kind of the, <laughs> the unpredictable aspect. The fact that we have very little time to rehearse, we just go right into the show, pretty much. You know, uh, talking about your role as a musician and a music maker over the years, in my in my old age, I've I've taken to watching uh, a lot of cooking shows, and when you watch the master chefs, what they all like to say, and I'm not sure I believe them, and I don't know if you've heard this, is simple is best. Simple ingredients make the ingredients shine, make everything simple. Now, as a guy who seems to me to have tackled some pretty arduous and challenging projects over the years. Is that how you make music? Do you say simple is best, or do you say, let's get in there and do as much weird stuff as we can? Well, it'd be hard for me to say simple is best, having just come off of a utopia reunion. (laughs) (laughs) Having to relearn all of that, you know, kind of uh, uh, prog rock, uh, very complicated polyrhythmic stuff. Uh, I wasn't quite prepared for that. Um, <laughs> it took me uh, it took me at least a week on the road to get used to playing all that stuff again. So I, there's no way that I can claim that that, that that's simple. But um, we started the show with uh, the older stuff when the band was like six people, and everyone would play 15 minutes whatever song. And then we moved through kind of the more recent stuff. And in that sense, Utopia evolved backwards. We started out playing the most complicated music we could. And then as time went on, we started writing simpler and simpler songs, you know, songs that were, you know, more designed for, for a, uh, for a quartet when we stripped down. So I think in that instance, we all felt, yeah, simpler is better because we were thinking that we better ran the show backwards and played the simple stuff first and the complicated stuff later. Um, I can say that we probably cover a lot of territory in a show like the, the one that we're going to be doing with the Sinfonietta. Um, as I say, there'll be an opening set by me and the band and... I don't even know what that's going to be yet because, as you um, so helpfully mentioned, I'm out on the road doing these unpredictable shows for the rest of the year. And those, you never know what's going to happen. We've got a list of like 70 songs that we draw on, and after the first one, I have no idea what the next one is going to be. <laughs> but you do have some, <laughs> you do have some rules. Uh, if people yell requests, you take it right off the list. Exactly. We do not take requests. <laughs> so if there's a song you don't want to hear, just yell it out a bunch and we'll <laughs> play it. When I think of your catalog and the role of the musician in general, and I think of songs like uh, Swing to the Right and Lysistrata and Hiroshima, uh, has anybody ever said to you, hey, Todd, why don't you just stick to the music? Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's always been a challenge to be, uh, you know, a listener of mine because 
as you know, I was a record producer for a, a lot of my career, and I was successful enough at it that I never worried about the success of my own record. So I wouldn't adopt a style or attempt to do something that would become familiar to the audience. Every record was a new experiment to me. Uh, and it's even that way to a certain extent nowadays. I just got used to doing it that way because I didn't have to worry in the way that a lot of other artists do. I didn't have to worry about my survival depending on hit records that I would make. I uh, was working with Grand Funk Railroad and Bad Finger and, of course, Meatloaf. It, 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 that's really interesting because I think of all all the music you produced, and you mentioned some really blockbuster albums that you produced. Uh, your your ability as a producer gave you this great freedom as an artist that a lot of other recording artists have never experienced. Yeah, and I think I sort of credit it as one of the reasons why I still have a career. Said <laughs> I. I didn't get into a rut, you know, the style was pinned to a certain kind of era, and then when the audience grew out of that, they didn't listen. So it's the fact that I don't do the same thing every time that's something of an appeal, I guess, to my audience. It may not work for every audience, but at least for the people that have stuck with me, they've gotten used to the idea that even if I were to have a really successful record, today, the next record that I make probably would not resemble it at all. <laughs> right. Something completely different. Uh, it might be an acapella single following uh, an album of of uh, pol- political diatribes. Uh, it, you know, it's been a pleasure over all these years, going back to, you know, the late 60s and through your, your days with Utopia, uh, to watch you as an artist, you know, experiment, uh, clearly uh, your agenda was, I'm going to do what I need to do as an artist over the years. And it's really uh, a treat to have you come into town. I know you come to Chicago a lot uh, to play with the uh, Chicago Sinfonietta. Now, you're going to be playing a lot of Rundgren slash Utopia classics because that's probably uh, some of the stuff that the the symphony will be able to learn. But will you be throwing in some strange covers? Strange covers. Let me see now. <laughs> I don't know how many charts we have of strange covers. I would sure like to work up, you know, something for uh, Incense of Peppermints. Oh, know, or, yeah. One of, one of our staples in the Unpredictable Show. Or perhaps Brand New Roller Skates by Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> well, those would, those would satisfy the need for, you know, unusual covers at a Todd Rundgren show. Yeah, uh, would indeed. Uh, we're good. we have a couple of new things. We're interested to see how they come out. You know, some charts that have never been performed before, and uh, I'm curious to see how they work. But uh, for the most part, uh, we're we're rolling in, as I say, right the day of the show. Before that, we we're doing a brief residence at Notre Dame University, um, which is actually going to be a student concert. We're going in there to help uh, tutor and rehearse uh, a bunch of the musicians from uh, Notre Dame University, and that show will be on Friday night, 
the seventh, <laughs> and then we Chicago right after that. Uh, do our rehearsal in the afternoon, and then we'll do the Cincinnati show that evening. So things are chock a block for us. Well, that that's why you use classical musicians who can look at a sheet of music and go, okay, I, I think we know what to do here. It's at the Chicago House of Blues on Saturday, September 8th. Concert begins at 8 p.m. That's very symmetrical. It's one night only to catch Todd Rundgren and the Chicago Sinfonietta. Now, this show at the House of Blues with Todd Rundgren and Chicago Sinfonietta, it is a benefit for the Spirit of Harmony Foundation. And as everybody knows, musical education programs across the country have been gutted. And, and kids that uh, might at one time have had the opportunity to pick up an instrument and learn how to play it or sing in a choir. Those opportunities just don't exist. And this is a foundation that you started to address that problem. Yeah, we uh, we started about five years ago just with one little event. We didn't plan to, um, to establish a foundation, but we were doing a fan camp in the New Orleans area. And everyone wanted to do something because the city was still kind of recovering from the hurricane. And they wanted it to have something to do with music. So we found a program in the Lower Ninth Ward that was hurting and needed funds. And all the fans got together and collected money. We gave them a big novelty check for $10,000. And everybody had got such a good feeling out of it that they said, we have to make this more permanent. That's when we established the Spirit of Harmony Foundation and decided that our mission would be to uh, advocate for early edu- early musical education in schools, something that I was able to enjoy when I was growing up, but that has substantially disappeared as schools get shortchanged. Um, and such. So We've uh, built up like ammunition for uh, people who want, who have similar goals and want to go to their local school boards. We have built up a bunch of uh, of scientific evidence as well for why it, this is a good thing for kids to experience. Changes the way they process sound, and so they do much better in any range of subjects besides music. Even if they don't go on to become musicians, that change in the way that they process sound benefits them for the rest of their lives. And so it isn't simply all of the obvious things like, you know, keeping kids out of trouble and teaching them how to work with others. It actually does change your brain, especially if you do it at an age where your brain is still developing. Absolutely. I don't think people were able to sort of appreciate that, but a lot of the research was done at Northwestern University right there in Chicago. We've kind of also developed a a network of different kind of similar services, people who do instrument collection drives and stuff like that. So there'll be an instrument drive in association with the concert that we're doing. We take the instruments, we refurbish them, and then we get them to kids who... Otherwise, wouldn't be able to get an instrument. So everybody can participate. They can participate by buying a ticket, supporting the foundation, by um, just checking out the Spirit of Harmony website and seeing if there's anything they feel like doing. Instruments, 
swaps and things like that. If you have an old instrument you don't play anymore, get it out of the closet, and we'll make sure that someone does it gets into somebody's hands so they can play it. And that's uh, spiritofharmony.org if people want to check out. And you're working this, I mean, this benefit in Chicago is is working to help uh, Chicago area organizations like Intonation Music and uh, uh, Children from People's Music and Intonation will actually be a- at the show. Do you remember the first guitar you owned that stayed in tune? Well, the first guitar I owned was like the $25 Korean-made acoustic guitar that came with two months of lessons at the local music store. Nice. And, and it was a beast. You know, it was like bloodied my fingers. Yeah, the action must have been horrible. It was horrible. But that's the determining factor in whether you're going to actually be a guitar player or not, is whether you get through the initial phase when your fingers really hurt. Most of the instruments don't involve, you know, that kind of level of pain to learn. But the guitar can be very painful at first. Uh, My kids both wanted to play guitar, and I got them guitars. And once they discovered that you have to play it for weeks and weeks before before your fingers stop throbbing, they kind of gave up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of your sons went down the path that's insanely difficult as a professional baseball player, Rex. Oh, yeah, he did. Uh, For 11 years, he was a professional ball player. Uh, Ironically enough, he's now working in concert production (laughs) and really enjoying it. Uh, Well, that's the happy ending to that story. But yeah, baseball was a kind of a cruel mistress in that sense. You know, there's everybody wants to go to the show, but there's only 30 teams, 30 Major League Baseball teams in the world. So, you know, you want one of 30 jobs in the world. And all those poor kids who got signed by the Yankees thought they were going to play shortstop for them when Derek Jeter was just was never giving up the job. And that's kind of what it's like. You know, you get around for your opportunity, and sometimes it never comes. So in that sense, you know, I'd rather be a musician. At least my destiny is my control. Well, at least as a musician, you know that somebody will hear you somewhere. Yeah, well, as a ball player, you did get seen a lot, but, you know, it's not, um, you're kind of like owned by the team, and you play or don't play according to their whims and you get traded according to the whims and you don't have a lot of control over what's uh what's going to happen to you did you were you always a baseball fan or did rex make you a baseball fan no i knew nothing about baseball until we found out that rex was you know had a talent for it then i had to learn about the game and after he stopped stop watching. I don't even watch baseball at all anymore or listen to any games. But ironically enough, his younger brother, who's now in his 30s as well, is a very successful baseball coach in uh, in the Cleveland area in Ohio. Oh, really? So, base, yeah, baseball is still part of the family business in a way. Well, that that's really cool to hear, and uh, we look forward to having you back in Chicago, you know, Think of uh, old Todd Rundgren shows. He used to play the Uptown Theater when that was still uh, operating, and 
uh, a lot of shows uh, at, at the Park West over the years, and we look forward to seeing you at the Chicago House of Blues, which is a lovely venue, and it's a benefit concert, and you're playing with the Sh- Chicago Sinfonietta. Uh, we'll let everybody know where to get tickets. Uh, well, you can get it at the House of Blues uh, website. And, you know, after all these years, uh, the only other time I think I ever talked to you was at Woodstock 94. We did a brief interview when I was doing some radio stuff there. Uh, but you've always been one of my musical heroes, so it's it's tremendous getting the chance to chat. My pleasure. You take care of yourself. Todd Rundgren here on 93XRT. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.